Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, June 21st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear from the two Republican candidates facing each other in Tuesday's runoff election for the third congressional district seat. Then find out how some 30 Mississippi lawyers could represent migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. Have pro bono counsel to have other attorneys, private attorneys, who can be that pro bono counsel is tremendous. And in our book club, an examination of the life and work of civil rights journalist John N. Herbers. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Who will become the state Republican Party nominee for the 3rd Congressional District seat? Congressman Greg Harper announced he would not seek re-election earlier this year. The Republican legislators' opening spawned a wide field of candidates vying to represent the party in November. During the June 5th primary, voters narrowed the list from six to now two candidates who will face off again on Tuesday. District Attorney Michael Guest and businessman Whit Hughes will be on the ballot for the upcoming runoff election. Given the high stakes of the primary, we invited the two to talk with us again. Candidate Whit Hughes tells us what he'd like residents of the 24-county congressional district to know about him. I'm a business person. Uh, I've never run for office before. Uh, my background is in economic development and health care. I've owned and operated my own small business. And uh, part of my motivation in entering this race is, is that I believe we need uh, someone with real business experience representing Mississippi's third district. I feel the same way that a lot of voters do in terms of being fed up with the establishment way of doing things and politics as usual. And, and I believe that nothing's going to change in Washington, D.C. until we get different, better kinds of leaders on, on Capitol Hill that have some backbone and know how to be for what they're for and have the willingness to drive uh, legislation that, that actually matters to Mississippi. What would you like our listeners to know about your opponent? Well, look, we're in a runoff. This is a one-on-one set of circumstances. I, I believe it's important for voters to know that they have options in this runoff election. Uh, I respect my opponent, uh, but we come from different backgrounds and we have different experiences. Uh, as I said, I'm a business person who's never run for office before. My, my opponent is a lawyer who's built a career out of politics. Uh, that's not a personal statement. I just think we have different points of view and different perspectives. And, and I know for a fact that we have some differences on, on some serious policy issues. And, and that's why it's important. Voters need to be informed. They need to understand who you are. Uh, where you are on the issues that, that are important to them, and, and what kind of leader you'll be representing them in Congress. You like your thoughts on a couple of national issues. First of all, immigration and what's going on right now, separating parents from children. Your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, I've made it clear throughout the course of this campaign that any immigration reform I support is going to have to involve securing the southern border. And I, and I view border security as a national security issue. That, that doesn't have to be a... a a partisan issue at all. We, we need uh, to keep the bad guys out, so to speak, and then, then make sure the folks that are coming to this country are doing it the legal way. I, I'm, I'm not supportive of concepts like amnesty. I certainly don't support chain migration or visa lottery programs. Uh, I do believe we need a rules and laws-driven process so the best and the brightest, if you will, can come to our country and contribute to society. 
Uh, and, and we need to do a better job with our visa work programs to make sure that we know uh, what people are here, what they're going to be doing, and how long they're going to be here. We need, we need better oversight and transparency in, in relation to that. Now, I'll say this. I, I believe enforcing our laws is a good thing. Uh, I also believe not tearing families apart is a good thing. And we have some issues going on right now uh, with immigration that, that need to be addressed. And, and Congress needs to get together and come up with a solution. Let's uh, get the resources, double the number of federal judges that, that, are, that are involved in this process. Uh, let's do what we need to do to provide temporary shelter so, so these folks can be detained together as families. Let's streamline and minimize the, the process uh, the timeline that it takes to, to hear uh, asylum cases. So these, those can be resolved on the fastest tracks possible. Can you share your thoughts on President Trump's proposed $200 billion worth of tariffs on China? Listen, I support President Trump. Uh, I, I hope he's successful. I, I believe that gives our country and our state chances to be successful. And, uh, but I also believe I, I've been the most, the most vocal throughout the course of this campaign that I don't necessarily align with the, uh, the president's administration when it comes to tariffs and trade wars. I, I personally don't uh, believe that it, it's hard for trade wars to be good for anybody uh, involved. And, and uh, you know, whoever, whoever represents this third district needs to, their, their priorities need to reflect the needs and the interests of the families and the business owners in this district. And so when you look at our, our farmers and our growers and our producers, and how important agriculture and natural resources are uh, to the economies uh, of the counties in this district. Uh, you have to be real careful with t- tariffs and the potential negative impact it can have. I think of the example of soybeans and the fact that China is the second biggest importer of our soybeans. Well, if we price our, our farmers out of the market, so to speak, well, I, I promise you somebody from another part of the world is going to step into that gap. And, and now Mississippi farmers figure it out, and they always do. Uh, but during the timeline uh, of them figuring things out with these tariffs, you know, they're, they're going to get turned sideways in the, pro- in the marketplace. And, and so I, in Congress, I, I'm going to make sure that it's a priority of mine to do whatever I can to support our farmers and our growers and producers. And that's why I've expressed concern over, over the tariffs. Given what you said about immigration, would that be your top priority should you get into Congress that you want to see addressed? It'll certainly be one of my top priorities. I, I believe one thing that I, I, I really make a point of uh, making a top priority is changing the way that we're spending and borrowing money in Washington, D.C. Uh, I believe folks are, are fed up with the tired old same way of doing establishment politics. They want somebody who understands economic development and, and somebody who it will be focused on more jobs and a stronger economy. Whit Hughes is a Republican candidate running for the nomination for the District 3 congressional seat in November. Whit, thank you very much for being with us. Hey, thank you so much. Candidate Michael Guest shares what he'd like 3rd Congressional District voters to know about him. You know, what I'd like your listeners to know about me is, you know, that I have a, a record for working with uh, our men and women of law enforcement and our judicial officials. Uh, to see that our communities uh, remain great places to live and to worship and to raise a family. Uh, for the last uh, 22 years, uh, I have uh, prosecuted on behalf of the people of the state of Mississippi. I have fought to see that uh, the guilty are convicted and that justice prevails, uh, and that I will take that same worth ethic, that same tenacity uh, to Washington to fight on behalf of the people of the state of Mississippi and the United States Congress. 
what would you like our listeners to know about your opponent? You know, I, I've had the opportunity uh, to get to see my opponent several times on the campaign trail. Uh, we've uh, participated together in 12 different debates and forums. I've gotten to uh, talk to him, uh, and I've also got to know his wife, Shelly, uh, extremely well. Uh, and so uh, I would just like you know, your, your opponent, or, or I would like the listener to know that, you know, uh, we have a, a very good relationship. Uh, I think a lot of my opponent, I think that he is a, uh, a fine individual uh, and that I have enjoyed getting to know him and his family throughout this campaign. I want to get your thoughts on a few things uh, facing Congress right now. First, let's talk about what everyone's talking about, immigration and separating parents from children. What are your thoughts on that? You know, this, this is something that, uh, you know, uh, was not caused uh, by the current administration. Uh, this has been something that uh, has been ongoing uh, for several different administrations, but it's an issue that, uh, that I believe that, that, that Congress is looking at tackling. Uh, I, I believe that in instances, uh, if at all possible, we would like to be able to keep the family structure intact. Uh, and so I, I believe that Congress is working through some proposed legislation at this time uh, that would accomplish that. And so I believe that we have to do what we can to balance both securing our borders and stopping illegal immigration, uh, but at the same time doing everything within our power to keep the family intact once they do arrive here in the United States. Let me just follow up by saying that um, past administrations never enforced it, and President Trump has um, – issued a policy that's allowing this to happen now. But do you think it's a matter of changing the policy or for Congress to change the law? Yeah, I believe that, that, that Congress should, should work to change the law. I believe that if we have laws, that those laws should be enforced. So if these laws are now being enforced and we now see that it is causing uh, problems with the separation of families, that I believe that Congress should intervene and that Congress should act and try to address that problem. What about the president's proposed $200 billion worth of tariffs on China? Is that a good thing for the country? You know, I am generally opposed to, tra uh, to tariffs. Um, you know, I, I believe uh, I'm a big believer in free trade. Uh, I do believe that there are certain circumstances where tariffs uh, might be necessary, where we have evidence of unfair trade practices, uh, if it is some sort of strategic resource such as petroleum or or things of that nature. Uh, and so, you know, I would generally be in opposition to tariffs, uh, again, unless there is some sort of finding of unfair trade practice. If elected, what do you most want to see addressed when you get to Congress? You know, uh, I would like to see that our southwest border is secure. Uh, I believe that that is important for two reasons. Uh, first, I believe that, that it will... Uh, stop or greatly reflow, uh, greatly reduce the flow of illegal immigrants coming into our country. Uh, but I also believe that it, uh, if our border is secure, that it would have a dramatic reduction in the availability of illegal drugs on our streets. Uh, probably some 90-plus percent of the illegal drugs that we see throughout our country are not manufactured here in the United States, uh, but those drugs are manufactured in South America and Mexico, and then they are shipped across our unsecured southwest border. Uh, so as a prosecutor, I have seen what drugs have done to our community, uh, and I believe that a way that we can greatly reduce the availability on, of drugs uh, on our streets is to stop those drugs from coming into our country by securing our borders. Another issue you'd like to see addressed uh, soon after you would join Congress? 
you know, I, I think we also have to, to look at the infrastructure. Uh, that has been a, a major issue, uh, particularly uh, here recently in our state with the closings of many, biz, uh, many uh, bridges. Uh, you know, in January in the capital city, uh, we saw infrastructure issues dealing with water uh, in which we had schools and businesses that were closed because uh, we could not get water to those businesses. We could not get water to those schools. Uh, so I do believe we need to look at some sort of comprehensive, comprehensive uh, uh, package as it relates to infrastructure so that we can uh, continue to uh, address the needs of the aging infrastructure, which has been ignored for so long. Michael Guest is a Republican candidate running for the nomination for the District 3 congressional seat in the general election in November. Michael, thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Ken, for having me. Ken, uh, find full conversations with the candidates online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Coming up, find out how some Mississippi lawmakers, are, or lawyers rather, are preparing to represent migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A group of Mississippi lawyers are preparing to defend immigrant families seeking asylum. This as President Donald Trump's recent move reversing the federal policy tops national headlines. Trump signed the executive order yesterday. The policy had separated more than 2,000 children from their families over a six-week period. Back in the state, 30 attorneys will participate in training before beginning pro bono defense work. Amelia McGowan is program director at the Catholic Charities My Migrant Support Center. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood what she learned during a recent visit to the border. Our agency is, is in a unique position because we already represent a number of asylum seekers. And we represent mostly families and children who are seeking asylum and are here in Mississippi. So with the crisis at the border, I went to visit a couple of weeks ago. I was there for a conference anyway, and I went to see the families. Um, and some of these families, if they are released, if they pass the kind of the initial phases of the asylum process, they will be released to potentially live with uh, family members or other community uh, contacts in parts other areas of the country. So some of them may be coming to Mississippi. Um, and so what I wanted to do was to increase awareness among attorneys, other attorneys, because a huge area of need is legal representation for families and children once they come to Mississippi. Because once they're released, they still face removal proceedings. These are extremely daunting proceedings, extremely daunting processes. And if, unlike criminal proceedings, for example, immigrants aren't guaranteed a right to government-provided counsel. So... The need is tremendous and the stakes are high. The stakes are tremendous because these are literally life and death situations for many people. So some people that um, may not be able to afford an attorney, talk about why that might be the case. What is it um, that may lead to them not being able to afford an attorney? So people seeking asylum, if they're coming to the United States, are generally fleeing well, the very definition of asylum means that you're fleeing persecution. So some of our 
asylum clients, for example, have been in countries with very oppressive regimes, have lost their jobs, lost their entire livelihoods. Some are children. And so when they come to the United States, they are in an extremely vulnerable situation, not only because they face danger, but because many of their very belongings, many of their very livelihoods have been taken from them. And they've potentially traversed a number of countries to get to the United States. And so once they come to the United States, again, they're in an extremely vulnerable position, not only in terms of safety, but also economically. And so the necessity to have pro bono counsel, to have other attorneys, private attorneys, who can be that pro bono counsel is tremendous because we're, we're extremely small agency. We're only two attorneys, and we rely primarily on outside funding to to support ourselves and so we don't have the capacity currently to handle all the asylum needs and so we want to make it a priority to train other attorneys and also to increase awareness among members of the bar that this is an extremely pressing legal issue in our state. Some people may say that what's happening at the border isn't a Mississippi issue because Mississippi isn't as diverse as places like Texas. Right. Um, but what is your response to that, and why is this still important? How How is Mississippi connected to what's happening there? Well, I think, first of all, this is a national issue. So it's something we should all be concerned about. And it's a huge legal issue. It's a due process issue nationwide. And so this is something that all of us as attorneys and all of us as Americans should be concerned about. Um, and secondly, as I, as I stated before, some of the families who are at the border, if they are released, if they go through that preliminary asylum process and pass kind of the preliminary checks, some of them will come to Mississippi. I think people would be amazed to know how many immigrants are here in our state and specifically how many are seeking asylum. We, for example, the majority of my practice is asylum cases, and so I represent people, asylum seekers from all over the world, and they all live here in Mississippi. And I think that would surprise a lot of people because we have an amazing diversity here that I don't think a lot of people know about. And it's important, I think, to raise that awareness as well, that we're an incredibly diverse and vibrant state. Um, and so it's, it's imperative, I think, that we get to know our neighbors, that we interact with our neighbors, that we support our neighbors. Amelia McGowan is the program director of the Migrant Support Center at Catholic Charities in Jackson. Amelia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Republican U.S. Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi recently co-sponsored the Protect Kids and Parents Act, which was introduced by Texas Republican Ted Cruz. In a statement, Wicker says the bill would keep families together and address the backlog of asylum cases. Coming up in our book club, an examination of the life and work of civil rights journalist John N. Herbers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In today's book club, meet Anne Ferris Rosen. She's editor of the book written by her father called Deep South Dispatch, memoir of a civil rights journalist. The memoir chronicles former New York Times correspondent John Herbers' coverage of the civil rights movement for more than a decade. Herbers was born in the South during a time of racial segregation, whose life experiences involved reckoning acceptance of Southern heritage with rejection of the laws of a prejudiced society. Anne Rosen tells us more. I call my father the Forrest Gump of journalism because he 
seem to be at every major American event in history. He covered the civil rights movement for more than a decade. Then he moved to Washington, D.C., covered the Vietnam protests, riots in American cities, presidential campaigns, including that of Robert Kennedy. He was with Robert Kennedy when he was assassinated. He then went on to be the White House reporter covering both Nixon and Ford. So he wrote the Nixon Resigns article on the front page of the New York Times. He was in Dallas when John Kennedy was assassinated. So he had quite a career. This book covers just the civil rights movement. He passed away last year, and we should mention, you are his daughter, and you're listed as the editor of the book. So did he finish the book before he passed away? He did, and he knew it was going to be published, which was nice. Let's move on to the murder of Emmett Till. Was he in the courtroom during that trial? He was. He covered the rumors that were going around the small town of Money, Mississippi, where it occurred, of who the perpetrators were. And then when there finally were some indictments handed down in the murder case, my father covered the entire trial. At this point, he was working for United Press International. and It was the first time that his stories were disseminated outside of Mississippi. It became an international and national story. His articles were disseminated all over the world about this trial. On video, he's heard saying that following the verdict, he cried, and he said, I wanted to cry Mississippi out of my very core. And yet he stayed in Mississippi to cover some more horrible events, including the murders of the three civil rights workers, Michael Schwerner, Andrew Goodman, and James Cheney. It was several months before their bodies were found. Was he covering from beginning to end? Yes. At this point, he was working for the New York Times, and he was there when they uncovered the bodies. He covered the trials for these murders as well. What kind of response did he get? I imagine it wouldn't be very popular in Mississippi or or any state in the South. Was he threatened? He did risk his safety and his standing in society among his family and friends. Many people did not agree with his writing about these topics. It brought attention to Mississippi. It brought attention to the racial issue. It was quite a struggle for him. The book gives great firsthand accounts of all of these events he covered, but it's also a deeper story of his personal journey as he rejects the accepted mores and laws of a segregated society while still trying to hold tight to his heritage. He's a a white Southerner, and he finds himself in the midst of a changing world and He learns to reconcile with that. But I I think he did that because he held a very strong moral and religious conviction that his role in life was to bear witness and tell the world, uh, which is is what he did. So the, the depiction of that personal journey is also relayed in the book. There was a period of time following the civil rights movement before he wrote the book. So he was actually looking back at that time and writing about it. What were his impressions 20 years, 15 years after the civil rights movement? Well, he was in many respects quite uplifted by the progress that had been made in race relations in this country, particularly with the election of our first black president. But he was also dissuaded and discouraged by some of the situations that were 
in some ways exactly the same as things he had reported on, particularly the rise of white supremacy in America today. He said in much the same way mirrored the rallies and marches of the KKK that he had attended and witnessed during that period. Did he have hope that things would change? He did. He said history is like a pendulum, and we're always swinging from one extreme to the other. But Americans tend to really want to find a middle ground. And he said we're in a point of a pendulum swing right now, and it will swing back, and we will make changes. We've made changes in this country all along, and we'll continue to do so. That was his hope. Ann Ferris Rosen is an award-winning journalist in her own right. She is the daughter of John H. Herbers, and she edited his memoir, Deep South Dispatch, Memoir of a Civil Rights Journalist. And thank you so much for being with us and sharing your father's story. Thank you, Karen. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long at 9, Creature Comforts, 10, it's Season Pass, and 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio.